This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome to another Red Sox hot stove edition of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We have a list tonight of 10 potential targets the Red Sox could bring in via free agency. This list was compiled by Andrew Dwan, who is with us tonight, Charlie Smith, and Jason Kelly also with us tonight. So we got four out of the five. Could be a longer show than normal, so we will get right into it. Andrew, your show. All right. So this is going to be a little more fun than last year's when it was like Jose <laughs> Quintana and a bunch of other James scrubs. Paxton. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I don't think any of those guys even made it through a season. And we were probably our most accurate, you know, thinking those would have been the guys that they were targeting. But it's going to be a lot more fun. And, well, going to be controversial because I think the first name on this list is going to spark some debate, going to have some different opinions. And yeah, it's going to be fun if this is a guy that's brought up in the next couple of days. Uh, he's been mentioned a few times. But that's Marcus Stroman. Um, history in the AL East. Played with the Blue Jays. Took a year off when he went to the Mets. Had a great year last year. But obviously it's a big personality. And he doesn't hold back. And that could rub some fans the wrong way. What do you think, Jason? So, me personally, I have no problem with Marcus Stroman in a Red Sox uniform. But what I'll say right now is he's never coming here. He's never coming here. I think that guy hates the city of Boston. Um, I think he hates Boston media. Um, and he's kind of just, he's kind of a weird dude. Like he was trashing Yankees and the Yankees fans on Twitter the other day. He's like, Oh, well, how could you possibly root for a, a team that doesn't invest in the players? And it's like, dude, you pitch for the Mets. You pitch for the effing Mets. You chose the Mets. Like, uh, what are you talking about? So He's kind of just an odd duck. I think he's still a pretty good pitcher. Granted, like, I feel like his best years are behind him, but I just don't see him coming here. And what's the projected number? Five years, 110. So that's not terrible. I don't hate that number. I just don't think he wants anything to do with Boston. Uh, would I like him if he was here? I actually would. And I feel like the city of Boston would find themselves embracing him, but I just see it as no shot. I don't think he's coming here. Um, I've never seen someone so excited to get a strikeout at Fenway Park than Marcus Stroman. Like, I just, I mean, yes, it's the Red Sox he's striking out, but he gets so fired up over just a, a called strike three or a swinging strike three. I don't think he wants to play in Boston. I don't think Boston wants him to play in Boston. Uh and not at that price tag, not for somebody who only has the capability of winning 10 games a year. It's just, it's way too much money. And 
considering there are other names on the market that aren't going to be commanding nearly as much as Strowman, I just I can't do it. Like this is this is someone whose whose career has been dictated by I think a, a little bit of bad luck. He's had a couple of seasons where he just hasn't had the run support, but he's just not a likable guy. The most exciting thing he's done is upset an entire fan base on the other side of New York. That's literally it. And not for the price tag. I get it that he's 30, 31. I just, no, I, I can't do it. Not for an average, sub-average pitcher. I can't do it. Well, I was not a fan of David Price. And I am 1,000% convinced from a personality and volatile media and fan base relationship standpoint that Marcus Stroman would be David Price 2.0. I think it would be a distraction. I think it would affect his performance. I don't like how he's running his mouth. And I think all of us tend to get on board with guys who badmouth the Yankees. We love it. It's great theater. Who doesn't love bashing the Yankees? But the problem I had with it, with Stroman, is he's always running his mouth about something to someone. So I just wasn't as into it as some Red Sox fans might have been. I didn't like that spat he had with with Dennis Eckersley. Nobody on MLB Twitter has a quick quicker trigger finger when it comes to blocking people. I'm blocked by Marcus Stroman. The podcast account is blocked by Marcus Stroman. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm sure I said something on there, I, I but I can't pinpoint what exactly did. I'm just not a Stroman guy. And for a contract that if he gets the five years, that's going to take him, I'm guessing, to about his probably age 34 season, age 35 season, something like that. He's not an overpowering guy. And who knows what the back end of that's going to look like. I think there's better options out there. And like Jason said, he's just not, he's not fit for Boston. And hopefully he's smart enough to know that himself. So. Yeah. So I'm a little in between the two takes here. I think he's a good option, but I do think other things would have to happen as well. Uh, we know he's a ground ball pitcher. He relies on good, solid fielding behind him. And the Mets had that last year. They had a really strong middle infield with uh, Francisco Lindor and Javi Baez. you got two perennial gold glovers. And the Red Sox don't have that, at the, I mean, with the current left side. So I do think they would probably need a couple more dominoes to fall. The right side defense shouldn't be an issue, but the pull side, uh, that that'll be a pro- that will be a problem, but they could probably shore that up. Uh, it would only take a couple moves, probably one bigger one that we might hit on in a bit here. Um, but Strowman's probably the biggest name left here on free agency that has a chance of switching teams. The I don't see Robbie Ray going anywhere, leaving the Blue Jays. Um, so I think that's probably our biggest contract we're going to have left here. Uh, switching one other, up a little, one other thing, super quick. I forgot the main part of my point. There's a reason why the Blue Jays didn't want to invest in him long term, and I get the same feeling about the Mets. I, I think they're just happy to be be moving on from Marcus Stroman. And I just I just wanted to point that out. No, that's a fair point. 
Speaking of moving on from the Mets, we got Steven Matz up next. Uh, that's going to be the next signing we definitely know about. We have a deadline, uh, a self-imposed deadline of Wednesday. He wanted to get done before Thanksgiving and absolutely before the lockout. So Steven Matz, highly connected to the Red Sox, unfortunately connected to about 15 other teams right now. And with the Giants taking a couple pitchers off the board today, that list is probably just going to grow stronger in interest. So um, right now, a lot of outlets have them about three years at $40 million total over the length of it. He's a guy that, you know, the Red Sox have talked to in the past. Um, they traded for a guy that, you know, was traded for him before in Winkowski. So the pieces are there. What do you how what do you think, Jason? Steven Matz? Initially I was I've been a no on Steven Matz for a while. Um, but seeing as how the pitching market is quickly drying up, given how the Giants just went and signed everyone they wanted today. And uh, I feel like that's a trend that's gonna continue. I feel like the pitching market's gonna dry up before the hitting market. So I was a no on Mats, but now that Rodriguez has left, now that you're looking at just Chris Sale, Nathan Evaldi, and you're on Evaldi's last year of his contract, Chris Sale, we don't know if he's ever going to get back to what he truly was. I personally don't think he's ever going to get back there. I think he can be very good. He can be a pretty good version of what he was, but you're not getting the 300 strikeouts a year, you know, Cy Young Chris Sale ever again, I don't think, at least – so Steven Matz, three years, around $40 million. I don't hate that contract. I mean, that's better than the Evaldi deal when we first looked at it, when Dombrowski gave him that after the World Series, and we all went, really? Four years, 17 per? Ugh, okay. Now, that ended up working out last year. Who knows what this year will bring? But Matz at a little less than 15 per year at only three, I don't hate it. He's not my favorite pitcher on the market. I'm not going to like lose my mind over Steven Matz being in a Red Sox uniform, but that contract and given the fact that you need a lefty to replace the void that Rodriguez left, I don't hate it. I, I would give it to him. Yeah. I'm actually inclined to agree here. Um, when you look at it, as far as left-handed pitchers, it's going to sound like the echo effect here. Uh, after losing Eduardo Rodriguez, who's going to be getting paid just a little bit north of what Matt's projected to get, even if he makes three years, $45 million, I'm not disappointed in that, too. Even if he does two-plus years because of injuries and whatnot, $45 million over the course of two-plus years for a guy who pitches in the AL East, arguably one of the most competitive divisions in baseball, and still getting almost 30 starts last year, he's been incredibly consistent. Three of the last four, you know, the last three seasons, I'm not going to count 2020. He's pitched 30, 30, 29 as far as game started. So injury, not a problem. The guy can go 150 plus innings. I have faith that he's going to be able to do work. I don't have his numbers up in front of me against how he does against New York or Tampa Bay. But he made a huge transition going from New York to Toronto, going from a division and a league where every ninth batter is an easy out to a division where you literally have high-octane offense teams and set a record for the most wins in a season by him, uh, surpassing what he did in 2019 by three and lowering his ERA all in the process, three for 40, sign me up all day. I'm not high on Matt's. I've said that in recent shows. I've said it on social media. 
if we were to sign him, would I hate it as much as the Garrett Richards deal? No, not really. Um, the the one contract I I didn't really like in recent years that the Red Sox signed was the four year deal for Porcello. Now nobody will ever figure out how he managed to win a Cy Young. Like, how does that happen? But it did happen, and I know Porcello had a, a decent 2018, but the rest of that contract was just pain. And I have a feeling it, it could just be a failed experiment. Now, like Jason said, three years, $40 million, that's typically not going to be painful in most situations because it's affordable. It's $13 million a year roughly for three years. I'm just not a believer in him, and, and that's what it comes down to. I'm just I'm less of a believer in him than how badly I might hate a three-year, forty million deal. the The market is drying up, like Jason said. D. Scalfani gone today. Alex Wood gone today. Um, Rodriguez off to Detroit. I'm sure I'm missing uh, one or two more in there as well, but hopefully. Bloom can can pinpoint someone. We're going to get to more pitching here shortly. And maybe, like I've been saying, maybe the guy we get comes via a trade. And it's someone not necessarily on the radar, but not a huge Mats guy. Am I going to have a Twitter tirade if it happens? No. So, so for me, I wanted Erod back. Um, obviously, that's not happening. But if I didn't watch the season – upcoming season next year and then you put player x and player y stats in front of me and one was erod and one was Matt's. i probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference at the end of the day i think the two guys are super interchangeable and for the same you know relative contract I, this one i i'd have super neutral feelings on because i think it's just a perfect erod replacement and just that i don't think you're upgrading and i don't really think you're downgrading i think it's status quo and then you add on top of that um one guy i do think will generate some of the loudest noise uh is one the person that hasn't gotten a contract from san francisco which is interesting since they've gone to everyone else uh that's kevin gosman and he might be signing the biggest deal um Right now, we're looking around six years, 120 for all the outlets. And I don't know. That one scares me. I I have no faith in that. If it was four, maybe. But six at 120, I, I'm not going close to that. I agree. Um, I don't want to touch Kevin Gaussman at all. I want another. This is another classic example of this is a player that I hope another team makes a mistake on. They give him the six-year, you know, overpriced deal because his second half last season was scary. It was like Baltimore Kevin Gausman showed up again. His first half was phenomenal. He looked like the best pitcher deal out there. Like everyone was going, wow, San Francisco really bargained out here. They, they really got a great deal. His second half was not good and he was not good in the playoffs. And I'm sorry, but I don't want this guy coming back to the AL East. I just, you know, he, he already proved he can't cut it there. Um, Six years, 120 is a projected. He's probably going to get more than that. Maybe not in terms of years, but in terms of money, I could see him getting more of that. Um, I'm good. I, I didn't want to sign 
Rodriguez to four to five years. I maintain that with guys like Galsman. I think Galsman overall is maybe slightly above average at best. And that's, you know, for the most part, I, I really just generally think he's mediocre. At his best, he's a little bit above average. Uh, I don't give six years 120 to a guy who struggles to be above average. So I'm all set with Galsman. He'll probably stay in the National League. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes, or at least if he doesn't stay in the National League, if he goes to a West Coast team with a big ballpark, something like that. That's what that guy needs. He doesn't belong in the AL East. So I just want to get it on the record for Matt's Andrew, were you saying yes to Matt's? Would you be okay with that? Yeah, yeah totally. That's confirmed. If the bidding war doesn't get too out of control and they can get that term 340, absolutely. Right. So I, that's what I thought. I'm literally writing down what everyone's saying, and I'm going to post this to the group so everyone has this. I actually do want Kevin Gaussman, and I was saying this earlier. And the reason for that is while it was an, not even remotely close, I mean, even if you have two bad starts in the second half of the year, you did worse than all the first first half of the year. Kevin Gaussman had a sub one ERA the second month of the of the season. He was like eight no to start the year. Literally was torching everything and taking everyone uh, by the you know what. It was just it was dumb. Um, he had a crappy month. I think it was July. I don't remember if it was July or August, and he kind of did struggle a little bit. But his first game in the playoffs, he actually didn't do that bad, and that's. I think something to consider. Would I be willing to give him six years though? I don't know if I could go six. I would be willing to go five and do a little bit more than 20 per. I think he's going to end up getting way overpaid. I think it's going to take more than five years. I think it's going to take more than 22 per. I actually personally would be okay giving him five for one, you know, 110 million over the course of five years. Cause I think he's going to do well in a minimum of three of those years. I think it's going to be – I think Andrew mentioned it. I think he is going to be the highest-paid pitcher this offseason. I don't think anyone is going to come close to beating Kevin Gaussman because of what he was able to do. The Giants were no joke this year because of him on that team. Um, I'm going to say yes. I would take Kevin Gaussman. I've been saying it several months now in the group and even on the show. Kevin Gaussman is someone that I would love to bring back. I'd like to think that a team that has a more high-octane offense behind him is going to be able to do a little bit more damage. It doesn't matter how good you are in Baltimore. You're not going to have good numbers unless you throw a no-hitter every game. And even then, you might still not get the dub. But I'm going to go on the record saying, yes, I would love Kevin Gaussman. Knowing full well, the Red Sox aren't going to pay what the potential suitor probably will end up paying for him. I agree with Charlie. Uh, I'm a huge proponent of bringing a guy like Gosman and he's gotten better and better every year. And, you know, his ERA is, has dropped uh, fairly significantly in, in each of the last few seasons. And I think with the signings we've seen today and uh, previously, the market isn't super inflated. Descalfani got a three-year, $36 million deal. Uh, Alex Wood, I think, got a two-year, $20 million deal. And I don't think Gosman will quite reach six years. I, I think the market's just going to be a little bit lower than that. It'll probably be a five-year deal. 
And I think it fits in pretty good with the Red Sox because if you don't want to bring Evaldi back, if he has a if he has a tough year as far as injuries or there's a lot of wear and tear, he's off the books after next year. Rodriguez is gone. That's a big contract we didn't end up signing. Pavetta's not going to cost a lot of money for at least a few more years. And Chris Sale's really the only guy in your rotation that you're paying. So we can accommodate a five-year deal that's in the neighborhood of 18 to $20 million. And I'm fine with it. And unlike Stroman, uh, Gosman has a little bit more velo. You know, he typically averages about 95, 96 miles an hour. He can touch the upper 90s uh, occasionally. But I think that's a good fit for the Red Sox, not just for 2022, but, you know, for the next handful of years. And I would do it. So to the main reasons I was out on Gosman, not including price, I, the fact that he's predominantly and just overwhelmingly a two-pitch pitcher really scares me because if the effectiveness gets lost in one of those, he's up a creek. And the same with the velocity too. His fastball dropped a mile an hour last year, both his uh, splitter and his four-seamer. And I in the AL East, if you start losing that velocity by hair, the Blue Jays going to put 10 runs on the board against you before, you know, you record two outs. And it's just things like that. I, I think he relies too heavily on that limited repertoire. And that that's what really gives me some concern. Um, one guy that no one can agree on what any sort of term, what kind of contract he's looking for is Carlos Rodon, a guy that was DFA'd last year, wasn't tenured a contract. Comes back, almost wins a Cy Young. He, his shoulder has been just scrutinized since he got absolutely worked over in the College World Series. Never was the same. High draft pick. He finally put it together last year. Does he get a one-year deal? Who knows? Does he get a three-, five-year deal? He could. But he didn't even get the QO, which was shocking. So this is a guy that you don't have to give any compensation for, and he might be a number one. He has the highest upside and arguably the highest downside of any of these guys. And right now, the general consensus is either one year 25 or three years going from 60 to 75. And this is a guy that has legitimately, like, legitimate Cy Young um, potential when he's on his game. So my feelings towards Rodon are kind of the same as my feelings towards Nathan Avaldi in terms of a potential extension. Uh, I'm a no, because if I'm not going to give three years to Nathan Avaldi after he finishes fourth in the Cy Young voting, I'm not about to give three years at potentially 20 million average around there to a guy whose shoulder is kind of a mess. And yes, he had a great year last year, but that can happen. I I'm not going to, overextend and overpay for one good year. Carlos Rodon has had a ton of trouble staying healthy. And this is a guy who was a highly touted prospect in with the White Sox for a long time. They viewed him as a future ace. Um, he's got the stuff to be a future ace, but now we're looking at a guy who has been through the trench in terms of injuries and innings pitched and all that. He's still pretty young. He's, he's under 30, but I don't know. I, again, like I'm not willing to give 
multi-year contracts to guys whose arms might just explode one day. It, you know, and look, the fair counterpoint to that is, well, what pitcher in Major League Baseball doesn't have an arm that might explode? Fair. I get that. But with Rodon and with guys like him and Evaldi, it's like you have a track record of, no, you've had multiple surgeries, multiple operations. At some point, that's just not going to keep up. So I think Rodon is like the sexy option on the market right now because, again, sub-30, left-hander, throws pretty hard. But for me, I'm a no. I, I think, and honestly, I think he's going to get more than three years, 60. He might even get four years. Uh, he might get two years at like 26, 27. I don't know. But either way, I feel like it's going to be an overpayment for whoever ends up snatching him up. So I'm a no on Rodon. It, it's it's a tough one. I'm attracted by the talent, but I'm turned away by the history. And I just, I'm done signing pitchers that have bad injury history. I don't want it anymore. So I'm out. Um, I could potentially be swayed to do a a deal where it's like, 15 first year, 25 player option, second year, and then third option club, you know, mutual option for, for 20 to get you that three for, for 60. Here's the thing. You have to sign pitchers. You can't not sign pitchers and try to pretend like you're going to be a competitive team this year. We can't say no to every single pitcher. We have to say yes to somebody. This guy threw a no hitter early this year. He's, he's no joke. Cleveland wasn't a joke this year. He, too, hit the Yankees. New York was not a joke earlier this year. This is someone that can do damage against the AL East. He allowed a run against Toronto. I'm looking at his numbers right now. He allowed a run against Houston. These are high-octane teams. He has the capability of striking out 10-plus. Yes, there's a a high risk for injury for any pitcher in Major League Baseball now because – very seldomly do players not miss one, two, three starts. Rodon is a weird exception. Carlos Rodon is someone that has struggled to stay healthy in your defense. But if Carlos Rodon is on your team, you have an exponentially much higher probability of winning ball games. Carlos Rodon last year won 13 games, 14 games. He did not get a win when he two hit the Yankees in May. He did not get a win twice in the month of June when he allowed just one run over seven innings and five innings. This is someone who did not get proper run support in a lot of the games that he pitched in. This is someone that, with proper run support behind him, could probably win 16 or 17 games. Do I think he's going to win a Cy Young? No. Do I think he has the capability of being a really good 2-3 guy in Boston? Yeah, absolutely. I would be willing to give him that kind of money because – we need pitching. We can't afford to not sign players. My concerns with Carlos Radon are the exact opposite of my concerns with Steve Matz. I don't. I don't question the stuff with Rodon like I do the the stuff with Matz. I'm not concerned about Matz's contract, but I would be at, at, with Rodon at three years, sixty million. So. You know, the the concerns kind of flip-flop with those two. For one year of Carlos Rodon, if that was possible, I would overpay. 
I would take a big chance and I would overpay. And, and if it blows up, it blows up. I might even overpay for two years. But I'm probably out if his market is definitely three years or more. I, I don't want to go to a third year. I'm, I'm good with the short-term risk. A guy he reminds me of a little bit. Uh, this guy's a righty, though. Rodon's a lefty. But kind of reminds me a little bit of Jake Arietta. Arietta had... He had problems with stuff. I, th I think he had Tommy John at some point early in his career. But uh, Arietta just kind of came out of nowhere. 2015 wins the Cy Young. Uh, pitched 197 innings. Had an ERA of uh, 1.77. Again, this is Jake Arietta. Year before that, he pitched 156 innings. And then in all of his years previously, never pitched more than 196. 19. So some guys do kind of come along a little later. They're late bloomers. If you want to be an optimist, you can say maybe, maybe Rodon is going to be on a similar path. But like Charlie said, we got to sign somebody and these guys are flying off the board. So for one or two years, I'm in on Rodon. More than that, like I said, hard pass. Charlie, real quick. Yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing is three years, like you said, would be tough. But if we did two years in a mutual option, both of us say yes to the third year, which isn't going to happen. I doubt that both would say yes, especially if he rocks it in one of the two seasons and does subpar or average in the other year. Um, I think it's, it's very doable where you, you incentivize him to sign that two-year deal by giving him 15 and 25. He'll make up that difference on the back end. Because he's not going to sign two years if you do 25 and 15. He wants more money. He, he's going to get paid. He's going to get paid. Yeah, this is um, – I'm with Terry. I would love to overpay on a one-year deal. I think that would be absolutely great for both player and team. And then you throw the QO on them and you know have a little insurance next year that you're going to get some sort of asset back on that. But I actually don't have any worries about going three years on him. I – this is one of those risks that I think I would take. These kinds of guys don't come around too often, and the free agent market for pitching especially is not great in the coming years. So if you hit it with this guy, that's going to really set you up for a few years down the road. And I think we saw with the way the Red Sox approached their pitching um, this past year, they're not going to – they're the polar opposite of Tony La Russa. You're never saying like, why the hell is this guy still in there? You're like, why did they take him out? They're gonna take this. They're gonna take him out in the fifth inning. They're not gonna let him throw 130 pitches for no reason on a Tuesday night in April when it's cold out. So I think they can protect him pretty well, um, protect his arm and protect him from himself uh, from going too hard. So I, I this is honestly, I my ideal situation would be him and Steven Matz and they're dropping about $45 million in starting pitchers this year. Cause I think then you have arguably the best one through four in the, uh, in the AL. Um, a couple names we left out. Uh, honestly, the biggest ones, cause we, they're not going anywhere. You have Scherzer. He's staying West coast. It's pretty much said. So Kershaw, probably going to go to Texas. If he doesn't reside in LA, it'd be a fun experiment there. If, he would take a one-year deal. I don't think he will. 
no matter where he goes, it's going to look super wrong seeing him in a different uniform. But hopefully he gets to go home. Um, switching it up a little bit, though, we're going to go to the cream of the crop. And that is a guy that I think Boston absolutely hates. Most of the league hates him. But he is by far the best player that have hit free agency in a long time that was on the right side of 30. And that's Carlos Correa. It's his time. He's looking for $300 million, probably going to require a 10-year commitment on the team's end. It's a lot, It's it's a big term, but I think he's probably going to end up getting, getting it, and he's probably going to produce for most of that. Jason? This is a hard one because uh, I love the idea, and I actually love Carlos Correa as a player. Now that he doesn't have a uniform attached to him, I love him because when he was an Astro, I hated him. As we all did, he used a pain in the ass as an Astro. Um, but as a free agent who could potentially be wearing a Red Sox uniform, you put him at short, move Xander to second, you still got Devers at third, you've got a pipeline at first base, whether it's Dahlbeck filling in until Cassis is ready or whoever. You kind of like that. Um, that being said, 10 years, 300 million, I. Again, I think that's a low projection. I could see him getting more. Um, save that money for Rafi. Save it for Devers. Save it for other guys. Um, I like Carlos Correa, but I don't. I don't think that he is. You sign him right away and red so- pencil in the Red Sox of the World Series. I don't think that's the case. If the Red Sox had a dynamite rotation, if they had a dynamite bullpen, and everything else is in place, I'd say you know what spend the money, do it. Because if that's the guy that puts you over the edge, puts you over the top and gets you the World Series, do it. I don't think Correa is that guy. He would certainly help. He'd get you a lot closer. Maybe he even gets you past the ALCS, but you need pitching. The Red Sox need pitching, like more than anything else. Um, And again, I, I keep getting conflicting reports on Xander, like, some people say he's willing to move to second base, and then I hear from others that, well, no, he's not. He might still opt out, or he wants to be a shortstop long-term. He's not ready to give that up. Assuming he's willing to move to second base, then sure, yeah, Correa makes sense. But at that money, I don't know. It, you know, it, that that's a lot to lock into one player. You still have Devers coming up. I just would rather them spend the money on Devers. Um, I think Correa is going to be a really good player for a long time, but I also feel like it's kind of going to be similar to the Mookie thing where if the Red Sox don't pay him, we're not going to be sitting here going, oh man, that guy's racking up MVPs and he's looking like, you know, the best player in baseball for the next year. Like he'll be good, but I don't think we're going to sit here and go, man, we really should have paid him that exorbitant contract. So as much as I was infatuated with the idea, ultimately I'm a no on Correa. And I understand that the Red Sox middle infield pipeline kind of effing blows right now because we all thought Jeter Downs was going to be the next guy. And he looks like he can't hit. Um, Nick York is what? 18, 19 years old. So he's, he looks like he actually might be something, but it's going to be a couple of years. So I understand the pipeline's not good, but I'm still good saving that money for someone else. I wish I could just say, nope, next. Uh, But I'm going to elaborate as to why. 
I want no part of a guy who's going to be commanding this kind of money. And you lost me from the beginning. You absolutely lost me. And it was at that moment where you said, give that money to Rafi Devers that I said, okay, I'm back on. I'm back on with you, Jason. I 100% support what you're saying. You throwing that kind of money at Carlos Correa, at any other player that can hit the ball, is a major middle finger to Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts combined. You would prioritize someone who's on the arch enemy, who could make your team better, over one of your homegrown talents that have given their all, albeit you know a couple of oopsie moments with the media and whatnot, you throwing that kind of money would send immediate bad vibes into that clubhouse. I don't think it's a smart idea. I'm 100% no on Carlos Correa and absolutely stand behind what you uh, behind what you said. You need to pay the guy who's going to be the future of that team. And me personally, if you ask me, would I rather have Rafi Devers or Carlos Correa? The answer is I'd rather have Rafi Devers every day that ends in Y. He deserves that $300 million deal. And I personally, I, I'm curious to see what Carlos Correa gets. I, I honestly think it's going to be in that 10 to 80 range. I don't know if there's going to be a team willing to to go crazy. And if it is, Detroit was rumored to open up the pocketbook. Let them do it. It's not going to be Boston. I've got a lot of problems with spending that type of money on a guy like Correa. Here's a few other guys, and we may or may not be getting to some of these guys further down the list, but you, you got Trevor Story, Corey, uh, yeah, Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, and uh, Correa. That maybe there's another middle infielder I'm not uh, remembering right now. Any one of those guys I just mentioned, and again, Story, Seager, Simeon, Correa, not one of those guys stands out amongst that group as giving a team an infinitely better chance to win a championship. You can plug any one of those guys into the Red Sox middle infield. Their odds of winning a championship are about the same. So I would go six years on a guy like Trevor Story, or maybe five if we're lucky. Who knows how the market will play out. But I'll take five or six years from a guy like Story. Most, if not all of those years, will be very productive, and instead of giving a guy like Correa 10, because those extra four years you're going to be not giving a guy like Trevor Story, those years aren't going to be good ones for Correa. So you're just you're just saving yourself a, a ton of problems later on. And we don't need a middle infielder this year. Well, specifically a shortstop we don't need this year because we've got Xander for at least one more. We might have to revisit this next season if he opts out, but I'm just I'm not I'm not high on Correa and if we sign him, if we go all in for him, we're going to have to win the bidding war. So that's going to be painful. And we've said in recent shows how great the JD Martinez contract is. It's 5 years. And I said one or two shows ago, it was one of the few things Dombrowski got right as far as contracts. It was a great contract. 
So I'd rather go that route. And I, I think a guy like Trevor Story kind of matches up to that, you know, in, in terms of years and it. Story just turned 29, so next year is basically his age 29 season. He won't be 30 until the following November. And um, so a six-year deal for him would be through his age 35 season. I can live with that. And Correa, who, he could get a 12-year deal. They might give him 12 to drop the average annual value of it to make it cheaper. That's what Bryce Harper did. He's he's his average annual value is like twenty five million, even though it was a gigantic long term deal. But Charlie, go ahead. Carlos Correa has never hit thirty home runs. Carlos Correa has never had guys. Carlos Correa only once has hit above two eighty. That's not telling me thirty million dollars. And I don't think he's going to be playing shortstop past age of thirty four, thirty five. Anyways, I'd, I'd be shocked if he's playing past thirty three, thirty four. It's not. It's not worth it. Real quick, let me just pull up his uh, injury history. He he played 148 games in 2021. He played 153 in 2016. Beyond that, he's never he's never played more than 110. In his early 20s, he struggled to stay healthy. So, how's that going to work out in his 30s? And another contract. That was given to a recently former Astros player, George Springer. Another guy who had a poor record of health. The Blue Jays were lucky they had a ton of offense anyway last year, but that contract isn't gonna isn't gonna be well uh, you know, going forward. So but that's my rant on Correa. I'll probably do it ten more times this winter. So for me, if they're willing to spend money and they want to spend money, I think Correa is a good option just because you don't find these guys on this side of 30. And if he can't play shortstop when he's 34, that's fine because at that point, you know, everything goes correctly. Marcelo Bayer should be ready to go over there. You know, he should be ready to take over shortstop and he can move Correa over to second base. I, For me, the, the timeline just adds up if you are able to – semi you know extend um xander if he's willing to move to second because he should see what marcus simeon's about to get and realize that's not gonna hurt his value that much uh you know simeon was a guy that got moved off short and just had you know finished what third in mvp i don't know i i don't think it's gonna giving him that much money would affect potential extensions with your homegrown players i just think that they can allocate the money uh, differently and you can carry an infield that's going to be making that much when you're breaking up another guy at first that's going to be making a couple hundred thousand i don't know i i'd love to see it mainly honestly because of the defense the defense is crazy good to me he's a platinum gold uh platinum glove winner at this point and we haven't had that in a long time um another guy that <laughs> this is gonna be a fun one um great great fielder great power mvp candidate I think he won one. Guy played in New York, Javi Baez. I'm sure people are going to give some thumbs down to this. Uh, shout out to him doing that all this year. Um, free swinger is his worst attribute, and it definitely costs him um, at the plate. But I will say, I think that is a product of the Mets or the the way the Cubs developed hitters, and I don't think they did a great job at it. And I do think if you get 
Javi Baez into this Red Sox system, not that I'm condoning it, I think a guy like J.D. Martinez could have a real positive impact on him and his approach at the plate. He cut down on the swing and miss uh, when he went to New York this year. He's flashy. It would be a loud signing. And right now it's looking around six years, 150, and he gives you a little versatility, short or second. Uh, but what, what, what do you think of Jason? So I was already a yes on Marcus Stroman. Um, there's only so many tool bags I can take on this team. <laughs> so because of that, I'm a no on hobby bias. And it's not just his personality. I, I do think the guy is a grade A tool bag, um, like full-on snap-on tool. But it's also just because I don't think that he's ultimately a great hitter. And I agree with what you said, Andrew. Like, I think he came from – two systems that don't really know how to develop hitters all that well, the Cubs and the Mets. Um, but it's too late for that now. Like he's, he's what, 29. So he's not developing anymore. This is who he is as a player. He's all boom and all bust. Um, I think Charlie, you tweeted out the other day that like he only had what 12 or 13 doubles last year. Um, something crazy like that. Like he hits all these home runs and he strikes out a ton but he doesn't get extra base hits. He's just, it's a big time uppercut swing. He's always going for the fences. The defense is good for sure, but I don't know. You're paying all that for defense for a guy who you hope is going to hit a lot of home runs. He's going to hit for a low average. He's going to strike out a ton. He's second baseman Bobby Dahlbeck, except he has a crappy attitude. Like I'm good. I'm all set with Baez. Again, he's another guy that I look at and go, I'll let someone else overpay for him, and good luck with what you're going to get because I think the Red Sox can win without Javi Baez, and I'm all set there. So big-time no for me. So you did have a yes on Stroman. You said yes on Stroman, Jason? I did, yeah. I'm I'm a yes on Stroman, yep. Okay. So I'm with with Jason on on this one. He actually – to the tweet that I had 18 doubles in 547 plate appearances. It's a weird stat line, 31 homers, 87 RBIs hit 265, led the majors with 184 strikeouts. Now 2018, he was the second place vote getter for MVP 34 homers, 111 RBIs hit 290 following year, a little bit of drop off, less strikeouts, same amount of walks, Batting average went down. Homers, RBIs went down. On base percentage went down. Sluggage went down. Everything kind of went down. Following year was 2020. And then we had 2021. And everything went back down again. All the numbers are down again. The alarming one is that the doubles went down in half. Now, I do think Andrew has a point that I, 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 J.D. Martinez could potentially be somebody to write the ship, maybe figure out a way to to make the, the doubles come back because J.D. Martinez was on a doubles tear to start the year and then cooled off significantly. I can't justify spending six years and $150 million for someone who could potentially get 200 strikeouts and hit 220 in less than three years. And yes, there's positional versatility, and I like that in a guy. I loved it in Kike Hernandez. I was happy about that signing. I can't go more than two or three years if we're being generous on somebody like Javi Baez. I can't do it. Six years, I'm a no. It's not happening. I'm going to 
stay the course here that the two hosts before me uh, elected to take. I'm a no on Baez. There's a Cora connection there, though. They're both, you know, fellow Puerto Ricans, and I, I think he's a guy that Alex Cora would probably love to have. And we could certainly use the defense right away you would have a, a huge upgrade but I just think offensively he's just a little too flawed his career on base percentage is 307 that's really bad <laughs> um, interestingly with the Mets he had a 371 on base after the trade so um, but with all the options out there I just think there's better ones and I, I'd like to Stay away from Baez and let someone else take that gamble. I do think his market is about six years, though. I, I think he will command that. And would I rather have him over a guy like Correa? Probably. <laughs> Probably because Baez does have a good record of health and you know you're getting good defense. But again, just too flawed for me considering all the other options. Yeah, six years is too long. Um, kind of just being, a, you know, over their head at this point. Six years is way too long for him. Four years, 100, I would do every day of the week. I think he's flawed. Absolutely think he's flawed. I think you'd probably have to move a guy like Hunter Renfro if you signed um, Baez. I don't think you can have that many, uh, that many swings of misses in your lineup. So I do think they would have to move – move around and place play with some pieces there uh, but he would be fun to watch and i think red sox fans would warm up to him pretty quickly um after just a one wild week of like home runs and defensive plays uh, one guy that you know the red sox talked to last year and i would have loved to have seen come here uh oakland is complete screw up not giving him the qualifying offer and that's marcus simeon just finished third in the mvp voting um, great defender at short, played second last year, but looking to move back over to that side of the diamond. Marcus Simeon, uh, looking like five years, 150 million is the consensus right now. 100% yes on Marcus Simeon. I want Marcus Simeon. I think that forget Correa, forget Baez. I want Marcus Simeon. And I don't care, like, if he wants to play short and you're willing, you know, Xander's willing to move back to second, fine. If Simeon stays at second until Xander's figured out, I'm fine with that too. Um, the guy hit 45 bombs last year. And, you know, right-handed hitter at Fenway Park, you put him there, forget about it. That He might hit 50. Um, I think the power has always been real. He had power when he was in Oakland, and Oakland is not a hitter's park. Um, and look, he's, you know, I think he's still under 30. I think he's, what, 29 now? He's 31, so, I think, actually. Is he 31? Okay. So, but again, like he doesn't, he doesn't feel old to me. It, it's, it's weird. Like there are certain guys, even though they might be over 30, he does not feel old to me. Um, and I have no problem giving him five years. So Simeon to me is the guy that I want in terms of supplementing the infield. I have no problem with five years, 150. Um, because I, again, I think he's a guy that he's always going to have the power to some extent. And you know what? If he, by age, 35, 36, he doesn't quite have the same power, but he's still producing. That's fine. That's still a worthwhile contract. Um, so I'm all on board for Marcus Simeon. That's the guy I want. 
I was so used to hearing you say no. I was like, oh, five for 150. He's definitely going to say no. When you said yes, I was shocked. I do like, like the, some the players. That goes off when you're not expecting it. I do like okay. some guys, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, so I think the power is there, to Jason's point. Longevity, being able to play. He said back-to-back seasons, you know, forget 2020. He said back-to-back seasons where he hasn't missed a game. You want to throw in the year before that, he played 159. Two years before that, 159 again. 155 before that. So literally, one injury of not playing in the last five years, six years, I would take that. Am I comfortable going five or 150, though, on someone who's going to be 35, 36? We've done it before. Jason already hit right-handed hitter. If we got to throw it to someone who can stay healthy and hit 40 homers, 40 doubles, get 100-plus runs, 170 hits, the batting average may not be there. That's okay. You're not paying him to to hit 200, uh, 280, 300. He can also steal bases, and he's been consistently getting 10-plus. If, if I have to bite the bullet on a player, this is probably one of the two that I'm going to go ahead and say four one twenty. I'd feel a lot more comfortable with, to be completely honest, just so everyone has that on the record. Five for one fifty. I'm a little bit less inclined to do so. I would say yes, four for one twenty. If he'd be willing to come down to that, all guaranteed. Maybe some incentives in there. I could be down to get Semyon too. I'm struggling with this list to find someone I really love a lot about. And I like Simeon more than I like Baez. And of course I obviously like him more than uh, Correa. He is 31 years old. Charlie was talking about his injury history. There's virtually outside of 2017, not really much of an injury history. And the, each of the last two full seasons, 162 games played. Played them all. So, great. Durability is uh, is there. And um, is his career 256 batting average impressive? Not really. Is his career 2, uh, excuse me, career 324 on base impressive? Not really. So, you're, you're paying for a guy who's very durable and who has a lot of power. And I'm a value guy, and I think a five-year or six-year deal for a guy like Stroman, uh, Stroman, uh, Simeon, I I think that's better value than uh, someone like Correa. And he doesn't quite have the flaws of a guy like Javier Baez. Now, here's the bad news. He's asking for seven years at the moment. I, I don't know. I'm assuming at probably about 30 a year. So that would be 7 to 10. Now, does it mean he's going to get it? No. But one team he's connected to is the Texas Rangers. They like him a lot. And they're pretty stupid sometimes. So would they give out that contract? Possibly. Remember that Shinsu Chu contract that was just awful? They gave him that. Charlie. It could be interesting to see him go to Texas, but the guy who they want more than anyone in Texas, at least from what I've been reading and, and kind of hearing, is Trevor Story's the guy that they want. 
they want Trevor Story to go back to Texas, and I think they'd rather have Trevor Story in there over Marcus Semien. I think for a couple of reasons. One, cost. Um, and two, I, I don't think Texas wants to go get burned again. They're already the ones that are known for doing the 10-252 for A-Rod. That didn't work out too well for them. So I don't think they want to try to go down that path of of memory lane when they got destroyed by the New York Yankees by just sucking that one in. I just, nah, I, I don't I don't see it going to Texas. I, it's it's going to be interesting. So on the record, are you saying yes to Sim? Or are you saying no? I would, for what's listed here, the the consensus projection that that Andrew went with five at one fifty. I would probably do it. I think yeah. also, oh, sorry. Um, no, no, just, go for it. No, just one more point about the Rangers. Like, Story, he's from Texas, I think. He's a, he's a Texas born and raised. So, I don't know. If, that may not play in. It rarely does in sports. Um, but the other reason why Semyon might consider there is Texas is a power haven. It's, you know, the, the middle of the summer in Texas, you can hit bombs. Um, now, you can do that in Fenway, too, obviously, with the, with the Green Monster, but Texas is a home run friendly ballpark. And if you're a guy who just wants to hit home runs and him and Trevor story are kind of, they both fit into that category. So um, I think Texas will pursue them both. It's just a matter of which one lands more in their ballpark for what they're looking for. So with me, I am out on Simeon this year. I think you're buying at his all time highest. And one thing I think that's overlooked is he strikes out a lot. He strikes out almost as much as Javi Baez does. It's just not the same narrative. He takes a few more walks. Um, but his OBP over his career, year to year, isn't significantly higher and has been lower in some years than Javi Baez's. I don't know. I, I do think you're getting a guy probably that's not going to match that stat line ever again unless he goes to a place like texas i think he benefited from playing in two great three how many play ballparks did toronto play in last year in some really good spots um i think he started in florida then buffalo and then toronto mm-hmm. all those all those places very conducive to offense we saw that with all their players um i don't know i would i be mad if they signed him no I think he's very helpful, but I don't see that contract aging well after three years. And if it was seven, I I mean, I think that's a player's dream there. I don't think he's going to get close to that. Um, yeah. But What's he up, does he does do more damage as far as offense. And you, you hit on it. There were a couple different stadiums that definitely helped as far as hitting and whatnot. Let's just remove eight homers, 15 RBIs, called 37 homers, 90 RBIs removed 10 doubles he still doubled up Baez on doubles plus stolen bases i don't think by how many stolen bases did Baez get last year five Baez six. had 18 last year really it didn't feel like 18 for me on, on <laughs> i don't remember him doing that much uh stealing bases i still th- i get i get it at, at the all-time high i just feel like for your money someone who's not willing to play whatever you want him to play second you want him to play short he's gonna be there every day you don't have to worry about it i I think that i think the smarter money's on somebody like that just just in that specific circumstance between those two 
I know he finished third in the uh, MVP this year, but 2019 was pretty damn good as well. You know, he hit a career high 285, an out of nowhere on base percentage of 369, and still hit 33 bombs with 92 ribbies. So he's put together for the last two full seasons, 2019 and 2021. I think he's just put together some pretty good seasons. And like Jason said, I just feel like the right-handed power at Fenway will, will play better than uh, what some people think. So I just wanted to point those out. All right. So moving on, uh, this one's not primarily a shortstop for a, for a refreshing change. Uh, we have a guy in Chris Taylor that is pretty much a carbon copy uh, potential signing as what the Red Sox did with Kike Hernandez. Come from the Dodgers, bench utility, super utility guy, will play anywhere you want him. Uh, absolute spark plug. Here's a guy that you know, he got the QO, turned it down. So you know he's looking to get that longevity pay or a decent AAV. Um, the Red Sox have been heavily linked to him, actually more, maybe more so than any of these other guys. So uh, what are your thoughts on him, Jason? I love Chris Taylor. I, I like him a lot. My only issue is where the hell do you put him? Because, like you said, he's exactly like Kike Hernandez. He can play a lot of different positions, but – He's played primarily outfield for the Dodgers, if I'm not mistaken. So are you going to put him at second base? He hasn't played second base in years. Um, and I think we all agree we don't want Kike going to second base because right now your outfield as it stands is Verdugo left, Kike in center, Renfro in right, okay, especially with J.D. Martinez coming back. So that's the way it's set up right now. So where are you going to put Taylor? Is Taylor willing to be a second baseman at what? What is he? Thirty three now. Um, you know he's thirty four. Thirty one. Okay. <laughs> uh, see, I see. He's a guy. He's a guy who's just been around the major leagues forever. So I just figured he was older than that. But again, I just I don't see him. He doesn't want to play second base. He hasn't done it for a while. He played outfield mostly for the Dodgers. So. I, I want him. Um, the price tag isn't bad at all, and he's exactly the kind of player that would really help the Red Sox, but I, I feel like he's going to take an outfield position. He's going to get offered more money somewhere else, and they're going to lose out on him. So me personally, I'm a yes, but I don't feel like it's going to happen. I am so down with Swiss Army Knife players. Sign me up for some Chris Taylor. I have no problems bringing me here. Where do you want him to play? Anywhere you damn well please. That is going to be his answer because Kike Hernandez would say the same thing. That's the type of grit this guy's going to have when he comes to play wherever he's going. The Dodgers just continue to lose pieces because they're spending money in all the wrong places. <clears throat> Trevor Bauer. Um, and Chris Taylor is going to get paid. He's absolutely going to get paid. He showed why he should be getting paid um, this postseason. If that doesn't tell you what what his his market's going to look like and, and what his value is as far as what he's been able to do. He could do no wrong. I mean, in the NLCS, the guy hit almost 500. He's so ready to get money. Um, what was his, his, uh, his ask was, or their expectation is like four for 72, four for 74. 
Uh, four at four years, sixty-four million. So sixteen per. Oh, four for sixty-four. Okay, sixteen million for a guy who's going to be able to play literally anywhere. Yes, I'm okay with that. I'm all right giving him that kind of money. You literally can put him anywhere you want. I don't have strong feelings one way or the other. He was a guy I kind of liked last year as a potential trade candidate, which would have been a long shot because the Red Sox doing business with the Dodgers. It's just kind of a just kind of a weird dance partner. But um, I would have loved him, especially uh, as a rental. As far as where to put him. These things have a funny way of working themselves out. Somebody get hurt. They'll plug him in somewhere. Andrew's probably going to give a take on maybe us losing a certain player. And perhaps that uh, helps find a spot. So if he doesn't give that take, I'll come back on and give it. Um, it would be a little goofy to give him $16 million a year when you gave Kike 7 <laughs> And because, I mean, Kike could have a better year in 2022 than... Uh, Chris Taylor, but but he's got a decent amount of power. Uh, I'm a big on base guy. Uh, career 337. I, I wouldn't hate it. I, I'd like to get a little bit more of a boost than just him, but but like I said, I'm a value guy. So if it happens, it happens. Yeah, I, I'm a big versatility guy, so this might shock you. I, I'm a hard no on him. I, I just <laughs> okay. don't I don't want him. I, I think you're buying it, as, again, it's all-time high. I don't believe in the player. I don't. I think, you know, he's had some protection in that lineup. He's a big strikeout guy. He led the league in strikeouts in 2018. He's the rare big strikeout, decent on-base percentage guy. I don't know. I think he's redundant with Kike Hernandez. I don't think you need this player this year. Um, and I don't think you need him for four years. At best, he's what, a super utility guy at, you know, two years into this, and you're paying a super utility guy $16 million for his ages 35 and 36 season. I don't know. That, that for me, is a stay away. Every day I'm like, oh, God, we're going to get the Chris Taylor news. And I, I just don't want it. I really don't. It'd be the most blue move ever. But it, it looks to me like the 464 is a little high, I would say. I, that's probably going to come down. I would hope so. I, I was actually surprised when he turned down that QO. I mean, $18 million is pretty good for one year if you think you're going to be able to do this again. And then you take a three-year with whatever. But, I, yeah, I was surprised when he did take that qualifying offer, yet no one else seemed to be, like, in the national media. I I don't buy it. I just don't buy it. I, I don't know what it is about him. I just don't have a good feeling um, on a guy that might hit you, like, you know, 265. I I think you can piece that together elsewhere. I just don't, I don't see the need. I don't know. Uh, moving on. Um, we'll go with a guy that no one really knows much about because he just got posted today. And that's another guy that, you know, he's had, he, he's versatile. He was a shortstop and a third baseman before moving over to being a corner outfielder where he's really broken out. And let's say Suzuki. He was the most outstanding player. That's their MVP award. Um, the guy has pop. 
granted we've seen some elevated power numbers from the elite of the elite over there but he's supposed to be the most touted guy since Hideki Matsui and one of the only guys that is on the right side of 30 he's only 27 he's athletic by all accounts he's a really good defender with a hell of an arm um probably Renfro-esque maybe even a little bit better uh the Right now, no one really knows what the deal is. A lot are going either 4 at 40 or 5 at 55, 10 to 11 a year seems to be the threshold for that. So what do you think of Jason? Nope. So uh, I I understand why people are attracted by, you know, an international superstar. But like, okay, so you just said he's supposed to be the best hitter since Hideki Matsui. Um, Hideki Matsui was a long time ago. And we've had a lot of these guys come over since then that were supposed to be the next Matsui that never quite worked out. Um, I mentioned him on another podcast, but like Hansu Kim from the Orioles, who granted he came from Korea, not Japan. But when he came over and was like, oh, he's guaranteed 200 hits a year. Barely lasted a year in the majors. Um, you know, Kisun Hyura from the, from the Brewers. Again, power hitting second baseman who came from Japan got sent down to triple a at one point last year so it, it there's just all these guys come over and very few of them actually pan out and if this guy was a pitcher i'd be more willing to take a shot because i feel like pitchers just tend to work out more and i just i'm getting a little bit like annoyed with this this all of a sudden like oh let's just kick hunter renfro out of here let's just get a replacement product of renfro and I get it. Hunter Renfro is what he is. And, you know, he certainly showed his flaws, especially towards the latter half of last year. But he's only going to make, like, what, seven, eight million in arbitration? Like, unless his number triples and he gets nine, but even still, he's cheaper than this Suzuki. And you know what Hunter Renfro is. He has power. Does he strike out a little too much? Yup. Is he great defensively? Not really. He's got a great arm, but he kind of sucks defensively. But you know what he is, and he's cheap. So I don't understand why they would all of a sudden change their philosophy and go after, you know, a Japanese star who we really don't know much about, who's kind of a small guy too, by the way. Like, I don't know. It, you know, again, these these guys who hit a lot of home runs in Japan – doesn't always translate to American League ballparks because I think the ballparks are smaller over there. So that would worry me too. Um, I'm I'm not a huge Renfro guy, but I'm okay with just sticking with him for another year at like less than $10 million, rather than giving a five-year contract to a guy who may not be able to play over here. Like, are we really going to do the Rusny Castillo thing all over again? I know it's a different region, but like, are we really going to keep doing this? Let, why not just stick with the one-year deal for a guy who has been in the majors for most of his career, knows how to play over here? Like, I, I would much rather that than taking a gamble on this guy. You already hit on Hideki Matsui. Hideki Matsui, when he was playing in his last year before coming to join the New York Yankees, had 50 bombs in 140 games. Played almost. I think he. I think he played a full season his first year in New York. He had 16 home runs. That's it. 16 home runs. So the distance is going to be something else. This guy hits 35, 38 home runs. Just looking at his uh, his numbers before even remotely coming close. 
I'm okay giving a pass on this because I, like you, I'm okay seeing Hunter Renfro come back. I'd also rather spend that money on someone else who's proven, who's played Major League Baseball already. I'm okay not experimenting on another potential strikeout coming over from Japan or Korea right now. I don't know if we're ever going to see the next Hideki Matsui in the next, I don't know, I don't know if we'll see one in the next five to ten years. I don't think we're ever going to see another Ichiro Suzuki type player ever again in our lives. The odds of someone like that coming back and gracing our our great sport of baseball ever again, slim to none. He was a generational talent. I don't think I don't think we'll be lucky enough. And like Jason, I'm okay giving the hard pass on this one too. Let another team take a chance. I'm totally okay taking the L saying, oh, you know what? Yeah, we we opted not to go that way for this guy, and he panned out. All right, good for them, but no thanks. I'm a hard no on Suzuki as well for much of the reasons you guys have pointed out. There are just much safer bets out there, guys that we're familiar with, guys we have seen be successful in the major leagues. And I would just rather go that route. If a five-year, $55 million contract uh, ends up being a bust, is that going to be painful? No, but will it be annoying? Yes. And I'm, this might be an apples to oranges take, but I'm going to roll with it anyway. I'm still a little haunted by the Rusny Castillo deal who was supposed to be the next coming of greatness, whatever. <laughs> and that didn't work out. And that was annoying. And we were able to hide him in Pawtucket because of some loopholes and all that. But I don't, I don't think we need to take a chance on a, a player that amounts to be a, a little bit of a wild card. So hard no for me on Suzuki. I've been really up on Suzuki. Um, I, I love the athleticism, which I think is big. He hates striking out, which is a big thing uh, that is appealing to me. The velocity can, is the one thing that concerns me. The average fastball is in the low nineties there. Obviously it's, you know, we've all seen what major league baseball has transitioned into where it's high velo innings one through nine nowadays. So that would take some, adjustment some real adjustment from him and i think he's young young enough and athletic enough to pull that off the another main main reason i want to see them go after him aggressively there is no incoming help from the minors in the outfield jaron duran's a big question mark um if he hits he hits i i don't have a ton of faith that he will uh i think worcester covered a lot of warts. I think a lot of balls got into the jet stream. Uh, and after that, they don't have anyone anyone else in um, the minor league system. They just left Jimenez unprotected. If he gets selected in the Rule 5 draft, I'd admittedly be surprised, but he's taken a step back. Then The next best after that is a 16-year-old, Miguel Blaze, who literally just signed. So I just don't see where they're going to be getting outfield help when they're going to need it uh, pretty substantially in the next couple of years. Kike, what, maybe two good years left if they extend him. Hunter Redfro, I think you might 
have seen the best that Hunter Renfro has to offer. And then Verdugo, um, who has his limitations. He's a really good player, but I don't think he's, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to see his 2020 ever get extended season long. Um, I think he's a really good player, but I don't think he's an MVP candidate. And I think you need one that could routinely finish top 20. And I, I would just like to gamble on that. Speaking of uh, gambles. Yeah. I was going to say, theoretically, like with all this money coming off the books pretty soon for this team, there's going to be free agent outfielders that are going to be available in the next two to three years. So you still have money to spend later on. So even though they don't have outfield depth, wouldn't you rather take a shot on for sure free Asian outfielders that are going to be coming up as opposed to locking this guy in for five years and potentially, you know, tying yourself up that way? I didn't look too far down. I looked at next year's and next year's just across the board is a really down year outside of potentially Xander and uh, Trey Turner. Um but yeah, I hopefully maybe 2023, 2024 will bring you something. Maybe a guy will come out of nowhere and develop and maybe Nick York gets moved into left field. Uh, I don't know. I, I was just looking this season and next and I got a little concerned about outfield depth and just being able to fill the stat line. Um, one guy that could do it is a guy that was traded to the Red Sox midseason. And that's Kyle Schwarber. He uh, instantly became a fan favorite Unfortunately, was you know only on the last couple of months of a deal, and um, it got a little dicier with JD opting back in because I think we can all agree pretty easily that uh, you know Schwarber's best position is probably on the bench when he's not hitting. Um, this is a name that remains out there. He's probably going to have 30, 30 teams uh, vying for his services next season. But the Red Sox probably have the inside scoop on um, if he wants to come back or not. And this is a guy that I wanted back until J.D. opted back in. And now I'm sort of like, again, where do you put him? Because the only place to put him realistically is either D.H. or left field. I don't want to hear anything about him playing first base. That was a disaster. It will be a disaster. And I don't think they want to do it. I think Bloom is in love with Bobby Dahlbeck anyway, so forget about it. Um, and if you put him in left, that means you're putting Kike at second, which means that until JD up, you know, until JD's contract is up, so for the next season, your defense is going to suffer. Your outfield defense will suffer, and quite frankly, your infield defense will too, because I don't think Kike is very good at second base. So. I wanted Schwarber back. I think Schwarber is a great fit in Boston. Um, I like having a left-handed hitter for the opposing ballparks in the AL East, but I just don't see a spot for him now. I feel like J.D. opting back in pretty much guaranteed that Schwarber's gone. He's he's going to go sign somewhere else because you have to almost shoehorn him in to this roster and to this lineup. And I feel like there are teams out there that he's going to sign with, he'll have a better fit with, um, he's not going to have to play out of position or play anywhere he's not comfortable. And I don't think Schwarber himself really cares if he plays left field or whatever. But I think from like a long-term money standpoint, from a business standpoint, it makes more sense for him to be a DH. And he's going to find somewhere else to do that. So 
It sucks. J.D. Martinez pretty much guaranteed this guy's out of here. I'd be shocked if he comes back. Um, I wanted him back. So me personally, I'm a yes on Schwarber, but I don't see it happening. No way. I um, Late September, I wanted a hot date to Fenway Park with a friend of mine. And I saw Kyle Schwarber absolutely blow at first base and drop a ball <laughs> right in the infield. Yes, Terry, I'm talking about our date. I was the uh, hot date, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, that was my hot date. Um, I, I saw him flounder later on during the season. He was great when he first started, was drawing a bunch of walks, and then we saw mediocrity kind of kick in. I don't need mediocrity for $17 million as a DH because, like you mentioned, first base just wasn't it. I, I really – I wanted so badly to – to, to be okay with him at first base. Unfortunately, that's just not the answer. And we saw moments where he could, we could, he could do really well, but the playoffs, like we just outside of like one really big hit, you were a non-factor. He had two solo home runs. That was it. Like, I don't remember him doing anything. I just, I don't know if I could get, I don't know if I could get behind it, especially the way that he finished it off. He finished off the season one for 16 against um, Houston with a grand slam. Like that's, that's literally it. I just, I don't know if I could do it. I'm, I'm actually a no on Schwarber and it, and it hurts to say it, but right now it, it's a, it's a pass. Schwarber is probably my favorite non-pitcher on this list, so it's it's a easy yes for me. I'm not even as pessimistic about him at first base with a full spring training and whatever. Like Jason says, though, Dahlbeck's going to get a fair amount of reps there anyway. As far as the J.D. Martinez thing, that's only for this year. And then he's projected to get Schwarber's projected to get a four year, $70 million deal. So you figure it out for this year. And then the remaining three years, he becomes your DH. His power kind of disappeared in the month of September. He, he hit what seven bombs. Some of those I think were in late July. His on-base percentage was 435 with the Red Sox this year. Now, that's insane and a small sample size. So he typically does draw a lot of walks, though, and has proven he can hit at the top of the order. And that's what I like the most about him. We had several years of Ellsbury and Pedroia hitting 1-2. Then we had a few years of Mookie and Benny doing it one, two, and Benny was good for the majority of that. And I think we're going to have another year of Kike leading off and I'm good with Schwarber in the two spot and it lines up perfectly. You got Kike leading off Schwarber second, uh, JD third, Devers fourth, and, and Bogart's fifth. I mean, that's a great one through five. It's balanced lefty, righty, lefty, all the way through. I just think it's a great fit. I think 
he liked it in Boston. Boston loved him. I think Alex Cora likes him. And I think Hein Bloom likes him. And I think Bloom is going to be very active uh, with Schwarber's agents until the final outcome comes when when he when he makes a decision on who he's going to play for. So resounding yes for me on Schwarber. I'm more along the lines of what Jason said. I do think that JD was the nail in the coffin there. Putting him in left field would really hurt you. Uh, you. You can't really hide that. And I don't think Verdugo can hold up a season playing center field too. That that scares me. I think you're really opening up several potential problems. I love the bat. I love the player. I just unfortunately don't love the fit at the moment. And unless they figure a way to move JD, which I don't think that they're going to do. Um, I, I just can't see him coming back unless the price drops so much, be it no universal DH, which I think is pretty much a lock that there will be one, or if he freaks out about a labor stoppage and wants to get paid. I don't know. I just, I, I think they wanted him back. I just don't think that they can do it, unfortunately. Well, one, one thing, though, I mean, is J.D. Martinez going to play all of his games at DH? Or perhaps he could play, I don't know, maybe 25 to 33% of the season out and left? I don't have the stat in front of me, and I, I forget who tweeted it out the other day. It was one of the Boston guys, but... His his batting stats went down significantly when he was in the field. Um, like it, it was a noticeable drop, and I think that led to a lot of wear and tear. Obviously, the stepping on second base was stupid. I don't know what kind of ritual that is, um, but I I don't know. I just at this point in his career, a year older, I think you want to keep JD off his feet as much as you possibly can, just to keep his stamina up. Because you know you're going to need him. I, this is this is going to be a stacked AL East. I think the minimum right now to get into the playoffs is 93-95, just based off what we saw last year and progression on top of that. I, I just think you'll need JD to play maybe 5-10% games in um, outfield to spell a guy. I'm a big Schwarber guy. <laughs> I think we all are. I think we all are. Yeah. I want him back. I want him back. I just feel like there are other teams that have open DH spots that he won't have to worry about moving into the outfield or potentially being forced into first base just to make the, the lineup work. So I want him back too, but I don't see it. We'll see. You know, I just want to raise this question before we do wrap, and we, we made pretty good time. We're still under the 90-minute mark, and for a show like this, that's pretty good. But um, Toronto's going to be tough, and they're going to add. And they could run away with this division. And I wouldn't be shocked if Tampa wins 95 to 100 again. We're behind on pitching. And I don't know that Steve Matz is going to get it done by himself with the with the current cast. So hopefully Bloom is trying to win the division 
because I don't think there's there's a reason to not go for it. I'd hate to settle for a wild card berth this year with a kind of a shaky rotation, and you need one more bat, and it, it could very well be one of the guys we talked about tonight. And, and I'm I don't like Baez as far as a bat. I'd like Correa in. It, for one year, I, I think he could help us, you know, especially on a given year, I should say. Uh, but hopefully some magic happens. And if not through free agency, through a trade. And keep in mind, Cashman, he's going to make a splash somewhere. Um, the Yankees have been relatively quiet so far. You know they're going to make a move. They have to make a move. He's... Look, we, we trash Cashman all the time on this podcast, and rightfully so, because he's kind of a boob. But he's he's also he's in a big market, and he has a lot of money to spend. He knows he has to make a move. So all these guys that we're talking about today, he could easily just open up the checkbook and say, hey, come play in New York. And that gets a lot of guys there. So Toronto, New York, Tampa is always hanging around. Obviously, Baltimore, I don't we have to, we have to worry about them, but... You're right. The AL East is going to be competitive, and I agree. The Red Sox are behind on pitching. Um, that's why I'm more sort of like, give me Stroman and Mats. Simeon would be a nice addition to that, but I want pitching because I think the lineup's good, but if they lose out on some of these pitchers, especially since most of the pitching market got dried up already, they might be a little bit behind the eight ball. Yeah, well, you know, those are just some of the big names that are out there that the Red Sox have been linked to. The Red Sox are pretty tight-lipped. This could just be agent lip service. This could be John Heyman, you know, just spewing Scott Boris's words right out of his mouth. Uh, we could see something that we don't expect. Uh, I agree with you, Terry. I think Toronto is the team to beat next year. They have an abundance of prospects that they should be looking to move um to use this three to five year window that they have it's gonna be fun uh by the time this pod goes up and everyone's listening to tomorrow it's only gonna be one more day until we find about out about mats and then you're you're you know your hands forced at that point you have to make a splash they can't go in with whitlock and Hauk and be like you know what those are our starters they'll win 70 games if anything goes wrong you know what i mean so I think we'll get some news soon. I hope it gets some news soon because I would love, you know, nothing more than to be sitting down eating the Thanksgiving dinner, kind of like we did in 04 when we got the shilling news. Uh, I, I, ho I hope I hope Bloom's bringing some side dishes to some of these guys' houses. You know, I, I think that we are in good position to spend. I don't think they're going to be, you know, tight fisted with their money. I think we'll be happy with this offseason. And I'll leave it at that. Hopefully. Charlie, final thought? I'm curious which one of us is going to have the most right picks on this. I'm always <laughs> curious. Like, I'm curious to see who got it right, who got it wrong. You know, I'd love to see... When Schwarber was here, I was all about it. I really, really wanted it. But Jason brought up some points. He's, I think, the one player on this list where I'm going to be 
I'm still going to feel confident. I'll be disappointed if he doesn't, you know, if he doesn't come back. But at the same time, he's a player that deserves to be paid. I don't think the Red Sox are going to be the team to pay him. Like, I just, it sucks because it sucked to see him make that mistake against New York. That, that sucked. But, I mean, he's going to be the player that I'm actually going to be really curious to see what happens with him next year of the players on that list. Um, I'm more intrigued to see what happens with him. And I think part of it is just team bias. Like I'm, he played for us. So I'm curious to see what happens with him. That's, that's literally it. Him and Gaussman, both of them. Well, all right. We will wrap on that. It sounds like we probably will have a midweek show perhaps. Well, it would have to be Wednesday. I would think unless anyone wants to do a Thanksgiving show, but, um, one way or the other, we'll, we'll be back probably before the weekend, let's just say that, to talk about some potential moves that the Red Sox did or did not make. And uh, so we will see you then. And if it's not before the holiday, uh, everyone have a safe one. Don't get wasted and, you know, try to drive 100 miles to your house or whatever. Be safe and... Uh, Enjoy it. Take care.